Okay. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm going to take clips from this and then I'm going to make like a video and then kind of promote the full interview on your, you know, your channel. like a cross promote kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Of course. Cool. Yeah. Um, sounds great. Yeah. I mean, are you ready to get started? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. I'm kind of curious first, like, um, you know, everyone I've, I've worked with and I collaborate with a lot of guys who are in the more addiction space. And mm-hmm. as I say, it's guys, right. And so like, mm-hmm. how does a woman get into the, like, your story and how you started to help men? Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. And uh, half of my story is in the vault because half of my story isn't my story. So I tell, and, and if you know, Brene Brown's work, she, you know, she talks about vaulting that, you know, if you're a trusted person, to somebody, you can hold their stories in a vault. So I tell my half of it, which is my story, but someone that I worked with in my office, I have a private practice also where I offer neurofeedback brain training um, that I worked with for a long time. I was helping them with anxiety and focus and brain fog and lack of motivation, anger, irritability, like and I knew this person well, so it's a, you know, it's a personal, not just a professional. So anyways, I finally figure out that he can consumed, was watching a ton of porn. And like at first, you know, I didn't care about porn, honestly, before that, like, I didn't think twice about it either way, but then I'm like porn. And so then uh, I like to learn everything about everything that I care about. So I started digging in and as a neuroscientist and a brain health professional, I quickly discovered that not only was it at the root of my friend's problem, but that it probably wasn't going to be easy to eradicate. And, you know, it, it's, it's a long story, but long story short, I quickly deemed porn consumption the worst thing that we have upon us in terms of what's happening with men and how they're feeling and they're performing. Uh, You know, there's less men getting into college and getting through college. Men are not able to do their jobs. It's creating all this mood swing stuff. So partners don't know what's going on. When you dip into the research, women's alcohol consumptions up significantly, even before COVID. So like, I always call it this, you know, negative ripple effect. So long story short, I tried to help my friend, like without really like, you know, getting fully educated, sending him to colleagues, local colleagues in the CSATs, in the sex addiction, uh, you know, area. And not only did he not get help, he literally got worse. A lot of it was justified. Like, you know, if you, if you're looking for a professional to tell you porn use is fine for you, you can find a million. (laughs) So, you know, not only did he find those professionals, you know, long story short, I, he was getting worse and I couldn't let that happen. So I did a lot of research. I became trained. I worked with under some of the leading professionals. And so how I got into, so I helped him long story short, like literally once I figured this out and I really went to work on it, it was just a few months where just a few months till he was really a lot better. And of course it's a journey. Um, so then the, the funnier, the ironic thing is Like it was eating away at me because I literally felt like I knew the secret that the world should know, but I also like, didn't really want to tell people that I care about porn. Cause you know, at that time I was working on attention and anxiety. So I made one video and I put it on a new YouTube channel, just one video that literally says nothing. And people remind me of it every day. (laughs) So I put this one video out, how to heal your brain from pornography. And then, you know, like a month or two later, I get a notification that it's been seen, you know, a hundred thousand times or something. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, people are listening to this. And yep. then, and I really attribute the growth of what I'm doing here. You know, I think everything happens for a reason, but you know, the growth to those first couple people who really put positive comments on the channel for the first couple of videos, because it really inspired me because of the response to make more. So I quickly made a lot of them and uh, you know, then I created a program based upon how I had helped my friend. Yeah. You know, I mean, not the origin point similar, but like the, cause my origin point is my own personal problem with it. Mm-hmm. Right. But, 
um, you know, just t- like thinking, cause not a lot of men obviously talk about this, right. People rather say they killed someone until their porn history or say they have a problem with it. A hundred percent. I know. And you make one video, which is on the internet. And it's like, I was like, Oh, you know, I dealt with this. I'm going to see what people know about this. And yeah. I like went over like myths about like people in the NoFap community, like, Oh, you get superpowers. And it's like, I use science to show like the true problems with it. And it got a yeah. million views in like six months. I'm like, wow. Yeah. 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 It, no, it's, it's totally amazing. And, but the problem is it's amazing the response, but mm-hmm. the unfortunate part is, I mean, think about if those are the people responding and watching it and it's being served to people because people are like, you know, how did this get served up to me on YouTube? Sure. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, we all know how it got served up to you on YouTube. You might not understand the algorithms, but uh, you know what I mean? So, um, but the point is that there's so many people in need. Think about what the small percentage is that's finding videos like that. And, you know, now I've talked to thousands of men who are struggling, you know, a few women, people always want to know if this applies to women. Of course, this applies to women and what the science shows that actually addiction can hit women harder and be more difficult to come out of. But, you know, right now it's a very minute percentage and it's mostly men. Yeah. I, I know from the, a little bit of the studies that like, obviously men are more visual in our, in our arousal state and women, I know like literotica is like the kind of the female form for a lot of women, but like, yeah. I think this recent studies I was looking at, I think three out of 10 women are usually consume pornography on like tube sites and uh, videos. And I think oh, it's, yeah. it's, go, it's literally years. going up daily. Yeah, like yeah. it's going up daily because it's sure. becoming more socially acceptable. It's hypersexuality is like literally you and I could talk about this all day long, but you know, hypersexuality is, is being highlighted more than ever. So, you know, young women are kind of checking things out and then it is addictive. So then, you know, they're back for more. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you, you talk a lot about the um, neurochemistry of this. And I think for a lot of the people watching this right now, they have a basic understanding. I think dopamine is kind of in the ether. People know what that is. At least most people do, but like, what are some of the other neurotransmitters that get affected by uh, consumption of porn? Yeah, sure. And uh, so I can talk about that, but what I think is more important, or at least from my standpoint is I think about the electrical energy that a person Mm -hmm. uses in their brain. And I talk about that a lot because then what that does is it changes the cascade of how neurotransmitters are released. So there's a lot of them, you know, there's, but not necessarily totally when it comes to porn, when it comes to healthy neurotransmitter release, it's, I always call it, you know, kind of this perfect cocktail of dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. There's, there's lots norepinephrine, uh, there's opioid types of neurotransmitters, but when they're being released in a healthy amount, that makes a person want to go into the world and, you know, do some work and then get some small rewards and then work towards a larger reward because of the perfect mix. Also what that perfect mix of neurochemicals does is it makes people want to have sex with a partner because not only do they want this hit of pleasure, which comes from dopamine, they also want a hit of happiness and joy, which they get from being with someone and connection, which is they get the the happiness from serotonin. They get the connection from oxytocin. And of course, then there's cortisol, which is the stress neurotransmitter, which is, you know, kind of the polar opposite of dopamine. And they're the major players, dopamine and cortisol. And then how it goes back to electrical energy is when when we feel calm and focused and relaxed, our brain is literally using a medium speed in terms of hertz cycles per second. It's around 10 hertz, 10 to 15 hertz. That's, you know, you feel good, you can think, you're focused, you're on task, you're in the zone, flow state comes out of that middle uh, middle range of, you know, you can literally picture it like electrical energy going down a wire. Anxiety or hyperarousal comes out of a brain that's using 35, 40 hertz, very fast electrical energy. So what the very fast electrical energy does it produces more cortisol, the stress neurotransmitter, and it makes a person feel anxious and uncomfortable. And I call it overdrive more than anxiety because some people are addicted to the feeling of overdrive, not necessarily like, do they feel anxious? They just go, 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 hurry, hurry. That creates hyperarousal, which then if you do that for a very long time, you dip into hypoarousal. You're using too much slow speed, five hertz. And that combination of fast and slow is the what porn is perfect for taking the edge off of. And porn creates hypoarousal really quickly. 
takes the edge right off and it takes you out of this fast, anxious, overdrive, overwhelmed state and really quickly puts you into a numbed out, you know, feel good state. Mm-hmm. And when that consistently happens over time, is you see, so you see like an increase of these highs and lows constantly, which is kind of like dysregulating the whole system. Is that what you're trying to Absolutely. Yeah. So I see people's brains when I work with people, I can literally see how their brain is using electrical energy. So what happens is, and I'm sure you know this, that people who have a unhealthy pornography habit, generally speaking, most of the time it's on a cycle. So it cycles in and out of when their system has a lot of dopamine and there's basically two points in that cycle. And we can talk about, it. I can share it with you in a, in a second, if you'd like, but then there's points in the, in the cycle where they're really low in dopamine. So I can see that in the graphs. So when people, uh, you know, when people are working with me, I'll see that their brain is, you know, just for easy terms, anxious, 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 totally numbed out. Then a little bit anxious, a little bit anxious, 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 totally numbed out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I jump on meetings with people, I'll say, you know, did you relapse last Tuesday? And they'll be like, yeah, how'd you know? And it's because I can see the building of hyperarousal over time Mm -hmm. and then how porn takes the edge off that. So when they reach this high peak of anxieties, when they get like an urge to go Mm -hmm. much more. Yeah. So it's a trigger. So we know from the science too, that most sexual urges, even though we perceive them or people who have a sex addiction or have compulsive hypersexuality, those sexual urges are perceived as sex feelings, feelings for sex. They're actually calls for regulation. They're calls for de-stressing. So a big part of what I try to teach people is that it's fundamental that you learn how to regulate your stress and your boredom in healthy ways. And of course that's become so distorted when people get sucked into a porn habit, but yeah. So up at the top of the cycle, they're triggered, something stresses them. And then the minute they have the thought and I, you know, if you've seen any of my videos, I'm always like, I've got a brilliant idea. Let's go watch some porn. Or if they have a fantasy thought, the minute that thought hits the dopamine's already dripped. There's already a little dopamine drip. And what science shows is the second that drip happens, it begins to create the cascade and it's monumentally more difficult for a person to not keep going in the cycle. So I always talk about an offensive plan and a defensive plan. The offensive plan is regulate your mood before you're triggered into needing to Mm de-stress. The defensive plan is run, don't walk. The, the second you have that thought so that you can break that cascade, which can be different, difficult in the early days. Yeah. But then, that, the, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that offensive defensive plan. sounds exactly like I tell guys the reactive, the proactive strategies, right? Totally. Yeah. And, and you have to, that's, you know, I, I know people want a pill or an easy solution. <laughs> which or, is part of the problem because they get the easy solution from porn all the time, the, the immediate gratification. So that spills over to their nutrition, you know, their fitness, their relations, everything, right? Absolutely. I Business. had a long discussion with someone during a coaching call, a young person too. Yeah. And he's, I, I enjoy him so much. He's so sweet. He kept saying that I'm the, it's the gospel of porn recovery and that I'm a preacher. Cause I'm saying you can do this, but it's hard. You have to get, go just play some basketball right now for five minutes, take an action step, you know, go make some food. Don't order it because you're hitting the easy button everywhere. You're ordering food. You're not moving your body. Like go do something that is a little hard for you because it will show yourself. You can do some hard things, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's really crazy. I kind of circling back to the beginning of our our conversation about how just the lack of education behind how much porn is influencing uh, a lot of our society and how this thing pretty much is a drug. And that's kind of what, I mean, from your perspective, especially, I'm really curious because there are some, you know, psychologists and neuroscientists out there that don't want to label this as an addiction. And you look at the majority of what defines an addiction, it's the compulsive nature, doing it despite the consequences, like, how is it not labeled as an addiction? Yeah, you know, it will be, but yeah, it's, I know. it's I already labeled in the ICD-11. Yeah. So porn isn't, but you know, that's what I say to people. If you have any ability to connect the dots between research, which a good scientist or healthcare professional, maybe not, but scientists can definitely connect the dots. So ICD-11 has compulsive hypersexuality behavior disorder in it. 
But, and then if you read other research studies, the number one way that hypersexuality, compulsive hypersexuality disorder manifests is porn consumption, which makes it a compulsive behavior disorder, which compulsive behavior disorders are addictions. So it's just a matter of time. You know, this doesn't surprise me either because this is, this is how the cigarette industry developed and undeveloped and in over 50 years, it took over 50 years, you know, everybody was smoking until someone started saying smoking is not good for you. And then, then the pharmacy, the not the pharmaceutical, that's a different <laughs> discussion, but then big tobacco came in and they're like, it's fine for you. Look at all this fake science. It's yep. fine for you. It's totally fine. So, you know, we're in the same place there and eventually people and, you know, we're already seeing it. Like if I'm sure the comments on your channel, the comments on my channel where people will say to me, like, you know, don't listen to this lady. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And other people's comments are porn's, porn's destroying my life. So, like, for me, I'm trying to go to people and empower them to look at their own behaviors. You know, I'm not trying to take a system or an industry down. I'm just trying to right. say to people, like, if you know this is a problem for you, you can do something about it. It might be tricky, but if you get the right support, you've got a whole life left to not have to be sucked back in. Well, that's the thing about that. I always say too, it's like, I'm not, I'm not attacking the porn industry in general. Cause you say porn industry in general, like you have stuff from vanilla amateur, like sexual education to deviant illegal stuff. Right. So it's yeah, like, totally. yeah, on that end of the spectrum. Yeah. That's, I guess, you know, I say morally wrong in my opinion, but and, and like, there's people out there that can socially drink and be okay. But for some people, when they consume pornography, they cannot stop. And there's the consequences. So it's just yeah, about- And honestly, it's most people. Completely. So like, for me, I feel like, like, I totally get what you're saying. Everything exists on a continuum, but from a neuroscience perspective, it's actually the rare person because most people actually do get sucked into alcohol misuse over time. Like, you know, not necessarily full-blown alcoholism, but- alcohol misuse. And we know that. And most people like, you know, they, they might not be complete alcoholics, but they might start drinking every day or, you know, drinking too heavy on the weekends. Many people, it's the it rare depends on the culture too, right? Cause like over in Europe, they have drinks like at every meal, but they don't binge drink, right? They have maybe one or two max. Yeah. And it's exposure too. So, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. So now what is happening now is young people are being exposed even earlier to pornography. And the reason that it's different than alcohol is that exposure happens at eight years old is what the average is now. Mm -hmm. So the brain science shows that at eight years old, the brain is actually more susceptible to being hooked on to that uh, stimulus as an addiction. And it's the very rare brain that isn't. And so when someone puts on a comment and they say, you know, I've watched porn a few times, but I don't see the appeal. I'm like, you know, I'm so glad for you because that is not the norm because, you know, so many, I'm sure you've heard this too. So many people report, they're like, I didn't even like it when I first saw it, but it just made my brain feel good. So I kept going back for more. And then over time I liked it. Yeah. And you know, there's this, uh, I, I'm doing a new video right now with, I took the most recent studies on the onset of age of pornography and how it kind of relates to deviancy and kind of the type of genres of porn you watch. And yeah, it's, it's just like any other drug where you need more of that novelty. Right. Yeah. And for some people it's like, okay, first, like, you know, picture alone is enough. You know, when I first started and then multiple tabs now, Oh, this is disgusting, but like, Oh, it's kind of risky. And like, you know, risk is equated to arousal. And then you get to a point where there's just totally. like complete shame. And um, so anyone listening right now, it's like, there's some people that say like, Oh, this isn't like, it's not the genre of porn. It's not that bad. I'm watching. It's like, yeah, we'll give it five or six more years. Yeah, escalation. You know? And I've talked mm -hmm. about that a lot lately. I actually just made two videos where I was talking about how porn tricks you because young people probably don't totally get what's happening. Actually, I know they don't. And I know even middle-aged people don't understand kind of the way that this develops without you even seeing it or knowing that it's happening to you. So, you know, first it's like whenever, casually consuming, then what happens is going from more frequency, more consistency, right. longer sessions, and then definitely increases in intensity. And going back to your point, which goes back to what I was saying about how brain speeds work, 
anxiety is that fast speed, which does cause excitement and arousal. And we know in the nervous system, it can be difficult for people to parse out excitement and anxiety. So when anxiety and arousal are mixed, it creates, I called it a friction point, uh, but you know, it creates this like even more intense experience for people. So partially that's why people will go to genres that make them feel anxious because it gives them more of that hit of dopamine and it, it's part of the appeal, but in doing so it creates escalation because it's creating larger amounts of dopamine that are released into the system, making it so that the brain recalibrates and needs more and needs more and needs more. I'm not sure if you spoke to clients about this, but like some people that I hear them say, it's like, Oh, I'm not going to ever go to this like dark place. And I always try to tell them the story through videos or just talking that I worked with sex offenders out of right out of college and I uh, never thought I'd work with that population. It's kind of how I yeah. got you know, more into it. And I saw that every single one, you know, had a heavy porn addiction. Right. And the first person I was ever going to work with, I was expecting someone to walk in the door with like, you know, this stereotypical, like glasses, fat, <laughs> like balding, this super attractive, well-dressed guy, very articulate. And he was talking to me and he was like, I started watching at a young age and it just de-escalated to illegal stuff and he got caught and like it ruined his life he yeah. never would have you would never expect this guy to do that and it's just like it happens uh, well that's why my heart breaks because like i could see that in someone that i care about and i love that i could see it like it it just you know that's i always say it grabs hold of your brain and then you can't make sense of the actions that you're doing mm-hmm. i talked to so many people where like when they snap out of it, they're literally sick at the direction that they were moving. And, you know, I, I've been saying lately, like that old adage where um, you've, I'm sure you've heard it where, you know, a fish is about to jump into a fishbowl and he's like to the other fish that's in there, Hey, how's the water? And the fish goes, what's water, mm-hmm. you know? So like, you can't even see it when you're in it. And that is to me, the most devastating part. And then it's really difficult to snap yourself out of it. And so that's why I'm trying to help people on a more global scale, snap them out of it by going, just look at this thing for what it is. It's not what you are looking for. You're looking for intimacy. You're looking for connection. That's scarier. Your brain is literally hijacked by this thing. The only way to free yourself is to take these steps that are going to be a little tricky, but they're going to be worth it. Yeah. I kind of want to like segue um, into what you think the, the future of this will look like in regards to, I mean, virtual reality, AI, like OnlyFans, like all these different things. Is it is it going to help some men who can't feel like they can't meet that need, or you think it's just going to be a downward decline for a lot? It's of a d- going to be a downward decline. There's no way. There's no I was way. I'll play devil's advocate a little bit, but I'm not going to. No, like, I, and honestly, I've explored this. I've explored a lot of things that I never thought I would explore because of you know being in this field now, but like I've explored relationships, like, you know, maybe marriage isn't the right thing for most people. And, you know, we can talk about that. I am married. I have five kids. I have six kids. Technically I have a stepson. So like, you know, uh, you know, that's important to me. And I still think it's important for most people, at least partnership, but, you know, I've explored things like that and I have explored, I've tried to like take the thread all the way down because I feel for people who don't have partners. And, and I'm sure for you, it's difficult to help those people in a really healthy they way. They don't want to help, right? They're the ones saying that, like, you know, yeah, and even, the you comments, know, I, like, you know, I, and, you know, I work with really nice people. They're like, I just don't have a partner. I'm like, you literally never will until you leave the screen behind because it yeah. is distorting your entire reality it's creating this like illusion of what a person is that you, you can get, or you will get. And like, it objectifies the woman. Like you can't connect with them on a human level. Not only does it objectify, but it creates this like paradox where it's like, I deserve immediate sex from these women, but I'm not good enough to talk to them. Definitely. It creates, we know self-esteem's going through the, you know, Mm -hmm. tanking in men. There's studies that show even men who use Tinder, not even men who use porn. There's a study out on Tinder that it is crushing men's self-esteem, making it even harder to try to find a partner. And they want to blame women for that, but it's not the woman. It's the, it's the the platform because women are able to be super selective at a high degree. And they're like, look, they only, yeah. Yeah. But but there's no healthy women on Tinder. There's just not, (laughs) there's not. And so like, you know, and also 
trying to teach people this, it's really hard because there's so many working parts that if you're looking for a healthy one, because people will say women are comments, you know, women are so much work. They just try to control you. They want your money. They never want to have sex. I'm like, not healthy women. Healthy women feel really good on the inside. They go into the world. They take charge of the thing. They're glad to be by you. They want to have a lot of sex with you. They laugh with you. You can tell them their stuff and they're not, you're, going to throw it back at you. That's what a healthy partnership it's a is. Self-fulfilling prophecy. But like I've made so many videos on this and it's just like, you try to show someone the truth behind it, but if they're in the veil of like their own reality, they're not going to yep. see it. Right. Yep. Yep. And I love that. I use that term too, the veil, like a veil can be lifted. Like mm-hmm. it's pretty easy once you commit to it, you know, like it's so, a protection mechanism, right? Like is. if I say, if, if I say to you, women only want a top 1% guy and they're all selfish and greedy. I don't have to go get rejected and approach them. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, like, you know, this goes back to what the inherent underlying problem is. They're literally addicted to it. So they're just making excuses for a thing they can't leave behind. Mm -hmm. So even when people make the decision, I'm leaving this thing behind, Mm -hmm. then they realize it's just not that easy that's when the excuses come in. That's where justification. So sometimes that's at an unconscious level that a person doesn't even realize, but they're justifying yeah. it to themselves. No, no it's crazy. I, I'm not sure if you were, I worked with like a lot of alcoholics and drug addicts for a while as well. And the amount of like how powerful this is, like I'm, I can't prove this, but on mm-hmm. an unconscious level, a lot of the clients would hurt themselves so they can, oh, I, I have my back pain. Now I need to go get opiates oh, totally. again. Definitely. You know, and it's like Definitely. unconscious to them, you know, it's oh, yeah, we, process yeah. is happening with pornography for sure. It, it is. And that's, uh, you know, yeah. that's why like going back to the question of where is this going? It's going to go in a bunch of terrible directions. Yeah. And I mean, we already see it on TV. We see it in, you know, I pick up men's health magazine. We get men's health magazine. My husband does. There's a whole two page spread on like the future of self pleasure. And I'm, I'm like, come on, men's health. Like, let's get, Let's get with the curve here that, yeah, this is what men want to hear, but like, can't you see this can't be good to try to sell people these products to just continue to have sex by themselves? Like, that's not good for any man. Like, you know, sex is evolutionarily, it's supposed to be with another person. But beyond that, people want to be with another person. It's just harder and scarier and there's fear of rejection, but underneath it all, they actually want it. So life is way too short to sit around with a substitute that's damaging your brain and in your room by yourself on your phone or computer, you know, it's time to literally break free of those shackles and do the difficult things, step into the world and claim it for yourself. Mm -hmm. It's also hard to, you know, start your own business, become the hero of your life. But like, that's why people escape the video games as well. Right. It's a lot easier, you know, and every time you fail, just press the button, you're back to the beginning again, where you started. Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, I was thinking about this too, because, you know, there's, I'm sure, you know, I, I, you might talk about, I don't know, you know, where people exist on continuums, the whole alpha male kind of thing. Oh my God. Don't even start it on that. Yeah. And, and we don't have to go there, but The whole whole point is that we all have an alpha version in us and we all have a sigma or beta version or whatever, you know, like, so when you do the difficult things, you take action steps to become your own alpha version. And if everybody was working at their alpha versions, and yes, those are all different and they should be because the world would be boring with everybody's alpha being the exact same. But if we were all in that space, everybody would be healthy. And then everybody would be rocking out their best life. People would be having tons of sex with each other and they'd be out in the world. I know someone said the other day, they were like, uh, the uh, alpha beta signal, all that stuff is like astrology for men. (laughs) It it is. Um, And I think it's terrible because it is putting labels on people. Like I'm not a fan of it's limiting you to this like category, which you're not, you know, and to this concept and, Uh, you know, another part of, you know, being sucked into porn is that it is self-limiting. And then when someone tells you like, you know, this is a self-limiting characteristic or whatever, it's like, no, it's a behavior and it's an addiction. So when you think of it as it's not a choice, it is an addiction, then, you know, time to break free from it. If I am gonna play devil's advocate in one area, I sure. do want to. Yeah, uh, I do, do want to ask you about. <laughs> I love like, a good uh, devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah. 
I have a lot of clients that come to me and ask me, well, what about just masturbation with no pornography? Like, is mm-hmm. that okay? And I know what I tell them, but like, what would, I, I kind of watched one of your videos on this, but I'm kind of curious what your thoughts on are. On yeah. That. And honestly, I, I think I only made one or two, but I talked to people about it all day, day long, but I didn't want to make a video for this very reason, because of what my answer is, mm-hmm. is that of course, if you have healthy sexuality, yeah. then keep masturbation in because why not? Mm-hmm. But the the key there is healthy sexuality. If you struggle with hypersexuality, it's just not feasible at the beginning. And it may not be feasible for a long time or ever, because the essence of it is you're going back to sex to de-stress your nervous system. Mm-hmm. And when you were very young, you learned the way to feel good is to just hit an easy button and masturbation's easier than being with another person, having to worry about, you know, all the things that come with being or with deal a with anything stressing you out. Right. Totally. Or deal with anything you're stressing her out. So like, I think for healthy people, then yeah, m- masturbation's fine. But I think most people, and I know anybody who has struggled with pornography for a long time, it will be a slippery slope back in the wrong direction. Most likely. Yeah. I, I like to use, uh, Dr. Gabor Mate's de- kind of definition of addiction. And mm-hmm. I like the simplest explanations tend to be the right ones. In my opinion, he says, yeah. look, I tell you guys this, if it's compulsive, which means you catch yourself just doing it without even like on autopilot mm-hmm. or you're doing, and there's consequence to it where you're like cutting into a time, like you're late for something and you're doing it multiple times a day. Yeah. The, it's a problem. Right. But yeah. And uh, if you're use if you're using it, because I try to teach men to <laughs> think about when do you masturbate and why? When and why, and why is more important than when, but like, okay, so if you masturbate every Monday morning, why? Mm-hmm. It's because your brain's going, I've got a whole day, uh-huh. the first day of this week that I have to go into. And then what happens, and I don't know if you've heard me talk about this, or you may know, is that when you go into the screen, when you use pornography, you get all this dopamine. So then when you go into the world, you've actually trained your brain. Not only is there less dopamine, there's none. There's cortisol in the world. That's why it creates all this stress and anxiety. So now you're looking at your Monday and it's there's nothing there for you but stress. But it's caused by going into the screen. So then you're like, if I'm going to get through this Monday, I need a hit of dopamine right now to ride this Monday out. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage people to look at your look at your cycle. What are you doing? And and everybody knows what their cycle is. Like most people do. They'll be like, oh my gosh, I masturbate every morning. I, I can't even get out of bed unless I masturbate. So many people, I mean, you know, this have to masturbate to go to sleep. They've taught yep. their brains. Yep. They've taught their brains what we do to fall asleep. It's just like response. alcoholics. Yep. It's just like alcoholics who drink three, four, five drinks to be able to sleep. Yep. And if you just think about logically, it's because of hyper arousal, their brains are off the chain. So they need something to bring it down to sleep. So it's yeah. It, another perspective on that is like, you're finally going to put your head on the pillow. Like you can't escape your own thoughts anymore. Right. And so it's like, yeah, you want the emotional anesthetic to kind of like get you away. But yeah. Um, what are your thoughts? I haven't watched any of your videos. Like I want to know, I, I done a lot. I, if you've seen some of my videos, I actually did like an experiment measuring my testosterone with semen retention. And I've mm-hmm. done a lot. I have a, I haven't seen I'm it, big, but I, I'm, yeah, I'm going to make back with this. Similar. So I'm kind of curious what your thoughts on semen retention sure. are, because there's a lot of myth out there about it and what you think about it. Um, I don't love it. And <laughs> yeah. I don't love it because I think people's goals should be healthy sexuality. And sure. I think it's fine for a time. I think it's good mm-hmm. for a time, actually. But um, in the long run, people do want partners. So you know, like I talk to people who are with their partners, but they're retaining semen. Like that's not healthy sexuality. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? If you're trying to rebuild your relationship and it's on the rocks because of, you know, hypersexuality and poor choices when it comes to sex. And now you're finally repairing your relationship, but you're going to retain your semen in, in an interaction. Like that's not, you know, what we're going for. I do yeah. think it's good for a dopamine detox at the beginning of this journey. It can be really good to, from a brain pers- perspective, but um, again, I think that is easier than trying to create healthy sexuality. It's easier yeah. to go. Sex is difficult for me to figure out. I'm just going no sex. I'm so they go from, to, a lot of guys, like they'll do a pendulum swing, right? They'll go from mm-hmm. one end of the spectrum, like mm-hmm. to the other. And since mm-hmm. they love all the benefits they're getting mm-hmm. from a guy, like knowing, mm-hmm. you know, I can yeah. speak to this. 
after we do that, like we have this kind of like lethargy and you can know mm-hmm. that from studies, obviously mm-hmm. in personal accounts with your clients. Mm-hmm. I think guys become addicted to that. Like constant, just like, all right, I'm always yeah. like I'm masculine. I feel it on edge, you know, Yeah, but you can, me. you can get mm-hmm. that. Not the edgy piece. You can get that with healthy sexuality, but it's harder yeah. to achieve. And I have a client who um, wasn't like measuring his testosterone because of uh, he was doing it for workout reasons and health reasons, but not for, you know, because of porn, but beautifully he had his testosterone. He had his blood test taken right before he started working with me. And then actually it was a pretty, pretty short time in the grand scheme of things, but it was, you know, the 90 day, three month mark, he had it measured again and his testosterone was way up, but he was with a partner. Mm -hmm. So like you can get those benefits. It just is, it's tricky to figure out, but I think it's good to do it for a little while because of that kind of swinging to the extreme, because I know from my experience, and I don't know if you have this experience that many people, it's difficult to come halfway back. You know, like they're so stuck over on this side where they're just going to sex all the time. And when you ask them to come halfway back, they don't know how to. And especially for people who, you know, middle-aged people hate to keep classifying it, but you know, middle-aged people have had this problem for 40 years. So if for 40 years, your brain's gone to sex for de-stressing, and now you're telling it to go to sex for connection. It's like, I don't know how to do that. So then when you swing it in the other direction and you're like, don't go to sex until the brain unwires, rewires in the healthy mode, then you can bring it back to the middle. So I do yeah. think it has utility for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, I think the main reason why a lot of guys do it is like, they think that it just like, it makes our testosterone increase a lot. Cause there's a couple of studies. I even, I even said there's a couple of mm-hmm. studies that I showed, but I know that there's some other scientific uh literature it also does. saying that it, it if you don't if you hold it too long it could increase prostate cancer yeah and you know i don't know about know, that one i haven't read that the, i haven't read that one personally but i've heard no that. and actually i'm interviewing a urologist on my podcast pretty soon to have that discussion because i mean just think about it logically like yes maybe if you retain forever you'll have more prostate issues but it's going to be the people who have the propensity for that in the first place but that's not the people who are saying it it's the people who are want to masturbate every day so they can ward off prostate cancer, which is ridiculous. Honestly, you know what I mean? Like you don't have to masturbate. The body's a self-regulatory system. So like, if it does get too too much, you'll have like nocturnal emission and self-regulatory. Self-regulatory. That's exactly exactly. right. And just going back to your thought um, about, you know, like kind of that pendulum swinging from hypersexuality over into semen retention is that, you know, that also can really be very appealing, you know, for the increase in testosterone. But this is what I want people to know. When you stop consuming porn, your testosterone goes up because Mm -hmm. you're depleting it through Mm -hmm. the constant hypersexuality in your brain. Testosterone is a hormone, which is connected to neurotransmitter release, which is connected to the electrical energy in your brain. So it's not that you have low testosterone and you need to swing so far as semen retention. It's you have to stop the hypersexuality and your testosterone is going to come back online to the healthy levels, not to the jacked up levels that make you feel on edge. And going back to what we were saying about how like someone who's in that addiction space, like if they're in the addict brain, they have these unconscious motivations. I know for a lot of guys that talk to me, once they kind of are quitting porn for 30, 60, 90 days, Mm -hmm. they ask me, should I talk to girls? Like, I don't know. I think them saying, I want to practice semen retention is almost another way of like preventing them talking to a girl and getting rejected and all that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly what I mean by that. It's so much easier to go I'm going to get all this sex over here from porn and whatever else sexual acting out. And now I'm just going to have none, but that's what, and you know, it goes back to what I first said, healthy brain performance is in the middle. So you Mm -hmm. can't stay over there forever and you shouldn't even want to, you should want to bring it back so that you can feel calm and focused, more confident, but then you might have to practice those skills and you might get rejected, but rejections never killed anybody. And you have to become well, tell that to their, their, their reptilian brain. Cause that's what they're telling themselves. Right. And their well, emotions. I know, I know, um, you know, a good, a good a connection with this, like that makes sense. Like an analogy, um, is like, imagine if someone's re- eating junk food all the time and they're like, they got fat and they're like, I'm going to fast now. And they're like, I'm just going to fast all the time now. And it's like, that's not good for you. You can still eat healthy food. 
right? So there is a healthy sexuality. There's a healthy medium in between. And I think of some guys listening, they don't really understand that, that there is a healthy medium. Like there's healthy sexuality, like hooking up with a girl that you're, you know, dating and love with whatever, you know, once a week, like twice a week, whatever it is. It's yeah, absolutely. And, And when it comes to meeting women too, like what I want for people in the end is to going back to what I already touched upon is that find a healthy woman, like have discernment. Don't go out there and no, just but healthy women don't exist. Doctor. They do. And, <laughs> and they might be rarer and it's harder yeah. to find them. And, but what a cool thing is too, is like, find okay, let's say it. you like someone, if you're on the journey to becoming a healthier version of yourself, you can find someone who, you know, if you're young and you don't have a partner and women are more hypersexual than ever. But so if you go out there and you're in a transformation, transformational mindset. Mm -hmm. You can find someone who's in a transformational mindset with you, who's on the road to becoming, you know, that continuum towards their alpha self. And think about how fun that is, right? What an awesome life where you're moving through it with someone who's constantly trying to be the best version of themselves too. Yeah. We talked a lot about um, the importance of, um, you say the offense and defense um, with the stress reduction and the anxiety I know that another main cause of a lot of people's uh, inability to overcome this is the shame, mm-hmm. right? And um, some, again, playing devil's advocate, some people would say, well, the shame is completely influenced by cultural factors, by religious factors. Um, and I can make a, an argument otherwise, but what do you mm-hmm. think, what role does shame play in uh, pornography use and how do men overcome that? Sure. So we know shame is at the foundation of compulsive hypersexuality. We know that science is backing that up. And you're totally right. We're programmed by our culture. So it can be religious, but it also is. uh, I always talk about it as mother, father, teacher, preacher. So it's your culture, your community, somebody else programmed you. And so we know that we're programmed from generations before, Mm -hmm. and most of us have not been programmed in the healthiest way. So trauma Family dysfunction is at the core of this, which creates the shame and keeps it perpetuating. Every single family has family dysfunction. Find me the functional family and I'll give you a million dollars because it's really tricky to find. And I know this because I am trying to raise six functional children, which and my husband, who's not very happy with me right now, he's not happy with me because I had a discussion with him, which it doesn't matter at all. But at the root of it is we're going away this weekend and all of our kids were planning on coming with us. But then now two of them have things they want to do. And I'm like, let's let them do it. And he's like, we have a family trip planned. They're going. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, my, my son's 17 and a half. I go Mm -hmm. like literally in three months, he can just go F you. I'm not coming. I'm an adult. Mm -hmm. I said, so like, shouldn't we allow him choice in this? But so it's pretty wild. And and I could see, I can feel it on my husband. He's thinking about this because we're programmed when your parents plan a family trip, you go, there is no choice. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'm like, you know what? A 17 and a half year old maybe should have some choice in that. If something bigger came up and it's homecoming weekend. So like, Uh. so, so I'm like, uh, you know, let's rethink this. Let's be different parents than we've been all along. But most parents don't do that. Most parents go, family trips are for families and they're going, damn it, Mm -hmm. get in the car. And, you know, I'm like, and he's like, why are you talking like this? And I'm like, I don't know what's right or wrong, but I do think there's some merit. So what I'm doing is I'm unraveling those inter-multi-generational ties that are programming. So I've been doing that. I've, I proudly say that I'm the black sheep in my family because I did, I deprogrammed myself Mm. and create a lot of problems for me. Then I reprogrammed myself and I'm still doing it. And so when I coach people, what I encourage them and I joke, you know, if you ever hear me talk, I'm like, oh, the students become the master, you know, because I'll get in a meeting with someone and they'll go, what do you think I should do with this? And then I'll say, what do you think? And they'll go, I think I should do this. And, but that happens over time of working together where first I'll get a panicky email and because they can't see their own patterns. Right. So my point about that is the shame comes from, and actually my son texted me this. He's like, I don't want dad to be mad at me about my choice. How awesome is that? How adult thinking is that? And why should he be mad at 
an almost adult for his choice. He shouldn't. So there's going to need to be some growth there, which, you know, my job is to help him grow and his job is to help me grow in the moments I need it. And thankfully we've created the relationship where we do that. And so, you know, the reason I tell that story, which isn't that exciting is because like I had to approach him, which creates conflict between me and him. And we have an awesome relationship, like, but, but when I go, when I think, you know what, maybe this needs to be thought about more and he'll be like, why are you arguing with me? I'm like, I'm not, I just want to discuss it. And then we will eventually, once he kind of sees the pattern and then we'll make a choice, but you know, that unravels the shame. If I make him go and then my son's a nightmare and the whole trip's awful. And now there's all these family problems. He'll have shame thinking he did all, us wrong. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you unravel that religion does it on accident and I don't have the answer and I know I'm probably going to frustrate some people, but when it comes to religion, many religions need to be jumped into the new millennium with healthy sexuality considered because so many people who are devoutly religious think it's fine to watch porn. They don't think it's fine to have relations before they're married but porn doesn't fit into that category. And I'm sure you've seen it. It's all over the internet, different things that people are doing that fit into a different box than actually having sexual relations, but they're so unhealthy. Those other things. And so it's so distorted the mental gymnastics that people can play around with that. I mean, we can go into depth about different religions and what they do, but yeah, but it's, it's uh, wild. Like I have to teach five teenagers right now, how to go from being kids to being healthy sexual adults like and you know and i know how to do it in theory but in actuality as a mom and i'm doing a great job so far but you know like it's completely different than what my parents did you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like literally polar opposite but and i don't know if i'm doing it 100 right because there is no such thing but i'm trying yeah exactly (laughs) exactly. but i'm trying so like again i have to undo my programming take the shame out of sex for my kids but teach them how to have healthy sexuality at too young of ages because that's when they're interested in it, but trying to teach them to grow within that, like, you know, that's wild stuff for a parent. And people say to me all the time, like, why did my parent do this? I'm like, they just can't handle it. They don't have the emotional maturity. And you mentioned, you know, laying down at night, putting your head on the pillow and having to sit there with your own emotions, you know, that's difficult. But when you grow your emotional maturity up, you can literally lay your head on the pillow and there'll be a blank space there because you know you're trying your best and you're you feel okay as your authentic self. Blaise Pascal, uh, this is one of the quotes I actually remember. He, um, I'm not going to get it verbatim. I might. He guys, he mm-hmm. said that all of a man's problems will be solved. All of humanity's problems will be solved if a man can sit in a room by himself for an hour quietly alone. <laughs> oh yeah, you know? absolutely. And that's why meditation is so important to create yeah. time and space. And especially if you keep going into you know, dopamine baths for, to, to numb your brain out, to make it so you can't think well, mm-hmm. you don't ever get the opportunity. And I'm sure you have an aspect of this when you work with people, but you know, a big aspect of my program when, when I work with people is using technology to create the empty space in their minds by optimizing their electrical energy brain pattern so that they can have some more of those like windows to open up, to be able to actually see how they think and feel. And then of course I help them to be able to, to sense those things and to count on those things more, bringing them back out of that space where they just want all those thoughts to go away to realize like, yeah, some of them, you know, we already talked about this. Some of them are uncomfortable. And I tell people when you feel stressed, just move towards it. Go do one thing. You owe $50,000 to the government, mail them a dollar, (laughs) you know, like it's approach instead of disengagement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it just shows yourself, I'm the person who can engage. And that's what I did to myself today when, you know, I'm not sure what to do about this vacation thing, but I approached instead of not. And then, you know, I'm the person who approaches when things need to be approached. Mm -hmm. Well said. Um, is there anything else that you kind of wanted to discuss or ask me or talk about that we haven't so far? We've, we've mm-hmm. covered a lot of topics, I feel like. Yeah, we haven't. Uh, no, we've jumped around a lot. Uh, I don't think so off the top of my head. Cool. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. think it's a cool collaboration. It sounds like, you know, us talking is cool because it sounds like we're on the same page. And, you know, there's so many people out there, 
you know, being new in this space, I, I have no intent on, you know, being a competitor. I know one thing I wanted to share where you were saying, um, you know, how is this impacting young people? And mm. uh, I don't know if you know that I've created a nonprofit organization with wow. the, which is in the work still. It's all, you know, how things go, they get delayed, but that's okay. And the full intent of it, and I'm starting to work with a couple other people, get them on, you know, their minds thinking about the project too. The full intent is to create a digital program that's cool and short (laughs) that is into all sex ed classes and, you know, starting in the United States, sex ed's the worst. My, uh, my son's girlfriend, I I talked to her and I'm like, what are they teaching sex ed? She's like how to put a condom on a banana. I'm like, great. We'll have a lot of safe bananas out there, you know? So kids need to know that, yeah, this thing feels really good in their brain, but you know, over time, this is really bad for you because I think if there was more awareness, we could bring back this negative cascade that is it's floodgates right now. And nobody's talking about it. Like it's impacting so many people and nobody will talk about it. And, you know, a program like that enough people out there that are discussing this. I mean, not at all. And not doing it well, like no, no sex ed teachers, sex ed teachers are health teachers or just regular teachers who have to talk about sex, don't know how to do it, don't want to do it. And they're definitely not talking about porn. So a really cool digital program that shows some graphics and has some facts. That's what I want to get into schools, first and foremost, then in youth organizations, in churches, because Mm -hmm. I want churches to know like, you know, because church leaders don't even know that porn's bad. So some of them are okay with the fact that, you know, people are using porn as long as they're not actually having sex with someone and that's backwards thinking. So, and so many people go to their clergy or their religious leaders when they figure out they have a problem and they're not being given the right answers. And then going back to my origin story of sorts is that psychologists don't know this. I mean, I was floored when that happened where, you know, my friend came back and they're like, you know, this psychologist said it's okay. This like this is a true story. One said that it's okay to watch porn. Then they went to somebody else who told them they couldn't be helped. They were lost cause. I'm like, nobody, this can't be true that you're lost I cause. Even, I can't even believe that. Like someone and would say that. Lost cause. Like, I'm like, this can't be true. Like one person thinks it's fine. And the other person thinks you're the proverbial lost cause, there has yeah. to be a way to figure this out. Yeah, thank God there's, you know, YouTube, one positive thing about the internet, about like people can search for answers, you know, cause they're out there obviously like us. So absolutely. Absolutely. So that uh, is really, really cool. Definitely. So that's really cool that you're doing that. I, I definitely want to hear more about that, you know, as yeah, you it's, that up. it's uh super important because mm-hmm. um, I was reading a book where they were talking about and I was inspired before this, but kind of simultaneously where, you know, talking about helping people with a problem is a noble cause, but going upstream and cutting it off is kind of even better. So I'm like, I intend on doing this, but I have to go upstream. How do I go upstream on this thing? And I'm not going to the porn industries. I have zero interest there, but I can go to kids and maybe, maybe, you know, break this generationally, teach kids about their patterns, help them see it. Like I I teach my kids what our patterns look like and I challenge myself. So it's pretty cool to, you know, have kids who who kindly challenge your thought system. How awesome is that? And, you know, that's what I want kids to be able to do is challenge people's thought systems, figure out what their thoughts are and follow that in a healthy way. Fantastic. That's, I think that's a perfect way to wrap things up. Um, Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. Thanks for uh, spending time with me. Really cool. Yeah. I really appreciate the conversation. Um, I will, uh, yeah, send me that uh, via email, um, the file, and um, I will definitely uh, let you know when I'm going to post the video so you can definitely share it to your audience as well. And Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really thank you for everything and hopefully yeah. we can uh, reach out again in the future and have another conversation. Definitely, absolutely. Sounds great. Okay, well, thanks for your time. I'll talk to you soon.